I think we have a few things in common. I think we love Jesus, right? Amen. Amen. And we love Pastor King and Letty, yeah? Amen. Now, I just uh, spent 20 years ago uh, when we became uh, missionaries. At, at about, Riverside's about 16 years old, and Riverside took, off, took us on immediately. And my wife and I moved to the Netherlands. And so at the age of 36, I had the wonderful opportunity to learn Dutch. Okay, we're going to try that again. <laughs> because you see, like in French, French is such a beautiful language, you know. Uh, uh, in French, a bedroom is a boudoir. But in Dutch, it's a slopcommer, okay? <laughs> the Dutch language is just not one of those pretty languages. And so, but I love the Dutch language. I love Dutch people. And we went there and we served. And while we were there, we had the wonderful opportunity to see churches planted. And it was just my wife and I when Riverside started those 16 years ago. And yet, as Riverside grew, we, we grew as well. And before we left the Netherlands, we were able to have 30 workers in that country. And we moved into another part of Europe, where, which included Wales. And I got to tell you, my Dutch helped, it paid off a little bit. Because I learned how to say towns like Klinklachlan, yeah, yeah, towns like that. they got some Welsh names that are a little different. And so I just felt right at home, and we loved Wales and uh, lived there for a while. But then they asked, would you oversee some more people? And it grew to about 130, and then five years ago, we, we took that role. And now we have over 200 people that, that work in our part of Europe. And Wales would be a part of that. And I just want you to know, Pastor King, God is doing great things in Wales. But there's still a lot of work to be done. A lot of work to be done. And so I want to say thank you to Riverside just for your support and your just faithfulness. And, and to Bob and the entire leadership team that works with missions. Just a great bunch of people. And uh, it's just such a privilege to be considered part of your missionary family. And uh, trust the Lord that today God will have his way among us. Let that soak in a minute. What if God could have his way among us? What could he do if he could just have his way? Does he not want to bless us? Does he not want to encourage us? And he doesn't, I mean, for him, the great commission, that, that missionary endeavor is what God gets all excited about. And he looks at his church and says, you know, I love doing this. I love reconciling people to myself. Why don't you join me in this endeavor? And we do that as we walk in obedience to him. If you have your Bibles and you look on the screen, we're going to take their text this morning, which will come out of Matthew 28. You know this passage, you may, you may know it as the Great Commission. Now, in Dutch, I can preach about 20 minutes. Man, because my Dutch, it, it gets tired, my head starts exploding, and so I just, it's just not good. But in English, I can go like two hours, okay? So... Dutch sermon or English sermon? Huh? What do you guys think this morning? Uh, Dutch, yeah, the Dutch one. We don't care what you're saying. It'll only be 20 minutes. It'll be okay. What if we combined? What if we did an English sermon and a Dutch sermon together? So we'll do it in English, okay? I want to be sensitive to the time this morning. So in light of that, I want to read the scripture. And my text comes out of Matthew 28. It comes out of verse 20. And it's just the last part of the verse. Jesus is speaking, and Matthew records the last words that Jesus says to his followers. And surely I'm with you always. 
to the very end of the age. Let's pray together. Hallelujah. Holy Lord, we just worship you and thank you. We invite your Holy Spirit to come into this place and to have your way. If people could just be so totally abandoned to you, Lord, totally, just totally surrendered, do in our lives whatever you want to do today, Lord Jesus. Have your way in this place today, Lord. I thank you for your presence that's been so real during our worship time and time of fellowship and time of giving. And God, now as we look at your word, we invite your Holy Spirit to come and have your way and speak to us, Lord Jesus. God, we just trust you now to speak clearly. Let the church hear what the Spirit is trying to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know the passage of the Great Commission. You know that Jesus is is about to, to, to be ascended to heaven. He looks at his followers and says, listen, I'm an Illinois farm boy, by the way. I grew up an hour or so west of here, and so I, I try to put it in farm boy ease. I think Jesus probably said, look, guys, listen. God has given me all the authority. That's a pretty big deal. And Jesus said, I have all the authority, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to go into all the world and, pre- and make disciples of everybody. People far, people near, As you go, go all over and make disciples. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want you to teach them the things that I've taught you. And that all sounds well and good. And great theology have been written. Sermons have been preached on this. People have looked at this and strategized. Yes, we we have to go and be strategic in our going. Yes, we have to go and make disciples. And books have been written. Theologians have written about baptism and, and, and how that all works in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as a mark that you are now a follower of Jesus. This idea of teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, people have, have waded through the scriptures. What is Jesus trying to teach us? But this morning I want to be very brief and tell you that the secret, the massive secret to the Great Commission is found in the last part. Yes, it's in going, and yes, we need to to make disciples, and yes, we need to baptize people, and yes, we need to teach them what Christ has commanded. But the key is in this. Jesus says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. In fact, Eugene Peterson says it this way. Eugene Peterson says, at the very end of the message, it says, Jesus says, I will be with you as you do this. Day after day after day. The point I want to make is this. Jesus is saying, I will never. Let's try that word a little bit. I will never. Let's try it over here. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus is saying, I'm going to be with you every minute, every second, every hour, everywhere you go, everything you do. You will not be able to get away from me. I am going to be with you. You will never have to wonder where are you. I am with you always, always. And the next time we're in a Walmart parking lot and we can't find a parking space, we say, oh God, where are you? Is that not how it is? We recognize clearly that theologically God is with us. But in practice, where are you? Where are you? 
If I would have come to you two years ago, we would have, I would have stood up here and said that in Europe, we look at reaching the marginalized, we look at revitalizing the church, which includes church planting, and we, we look at the secularized. And when I talked about the marginalized two years ago, I would have told you great stories about how people are working in red light areas of the major cities of Europe. People that I oversee that are building teams of people and we're trying to, to get workers to come where people have been victims of human trafficking and, and we have a, a place called Oasis Center where we offer just a cup of tea in the name of Jesus to bring love and compassion to these people who are victims of a terrible enterprise. And we look at this dark evil and we say, oh Jesus, are you there? Jesus, can you be there? I would have told you about a man in a church just like you in Denmark. A guy in a church just like you're in church today who took a step of faith. He reached out to his Muslim neighbor. A little fearful. But he took that step. He showed compassion to that man. And that Muslim became a believer of Jesus Christ. And he came to a church just like Riverside. One guy in a church like this one went out, talked to his neighbor, brought his neighbor to Christ, brought his neighbor to church. Church disciples his neighbor. You see the Great Commission working. It's going great. It's all working. And then that converted Muslim, one day after a couple of years sitting in church, went to the pastor and said, uh, I think God's calling me into the ministry. And today, that man went out, planted a church out of that church, and now has a church of 150 people, and they're all converted Muslims. I could have told you that story. But 18 months ago, 15, 18 months ago, something happened in Europe that shook the very foundations of European culture. You can't bring over a million refugees onto a continent, people who come walking with nothing but what they can carry and not expect society to be shaken. And yet we have found workers, I mean, I was part of the team that said, how are we going to do this? And we made one strategic move through the local church. The local church can help these people. The local church can reach out to the refugees. And as we did this, these people coming in and people reached out. I can tell you today, every church that reaches out to Muslims, every church that reaches out to the refugees has experienced conversions in their midst. Friends of mine who pastor 200 people today have churches of 250, and all 50 of them are brand new converted Muslims coming to Jesus Christ. Because people, the Spirit is there among them. I can talk to you today about a church in a town where a man just like you who came to Christ, he was an Arabic speaker, and after a couple of years, he went to his pastor, and he said, I, can, Pastor, can I have just a little room on the side on Sunday afternoons to have a Bible study with Arabic speakers? And the pastor said, sure, let's, let's reach out to these people and see what happens. And he did this for 10 years, and he had three followers, three people joining for 10 years. Last December... It was in the Netherlands last December. A city council member where he lived, the, the city, came to him and said, listen, can you help us? What do you mean? We're going to put 600 Arabic speakers down the street from your church. Can you do something about them? He said, yes, we can. That man doesn't have three people today, friends. That church has three congregations, a Syrian congregation, an Iranian congregation, an Afghanian congregation. 
People that you would say, they'll never come to Jesus. They're coming to Christ. Why? Because the Bible says, I'll never leave you. I'm right there with you. You never have to worry. Am I a part of it or am I not? And I know that at this moment, some of you, because I've heard it before, are maybe wondering, aren't there terrorists among the refugees of Europe? Aren't there terrorists among them? I've heard that. And my prayer is this. God, may the governments of the world be diligent and faithful in seeking out the terrorists among the refugees. May they be diligent at it. But Lord, may the church be diligent and faithful at looking for Jesus among the refugees. Because you see, friends... I have not seen the Pentagon briefings. I've not seen the CIA briefings. I don't know about the State Department briefings. I don't know what the terrorist experts say. I haven't read the briefings, but I have read this briefing and it tells me Jesus Christ is among them. He's right there. And we have to find him among these people. How can we turn our back? How can the church of Jesus Christ turn their back on a group of people who do not believe in him when over 10,000 children have been lost in the process? They have no idea where they are. Families have lost children. They believe human traffickers have gotten them. How do we turn our back on them? I believe now more than ever the church of Jesus Christ, if we will reach out to these people, we will see the massive revival among the Muslims we have ever seen. Because they're looking for love. They're looking for acceptance. And when the church reaches out in love, Jesus is right there in the middle of them. And he gives us the love for them. I've seen it too much. I've seen it too often. Jesus, where are you? And wherever he is, get involved there. I'm so excited. I mean, I I love the church. I'm glad it's here. But I tell you what, on that weekend in October... I'm praying that God will use you in ways you've never... Friends, I just don't want to see signs and wonders in the Riverside Church. I wanted to see signs and wonders out in the streets of Peoria. How about you? Let the Holy Spirit use you. I love a prophetic word in church. Let's give a prophetic word out on the street somewhere. Let's see signs and wonders. Because Jesus is with you. He's going to go with you. You don't have to worry. Lord, are you here? We've seen every church that reaches out to these people, we've seen revival among them, everyone. The third group are the secularized. We reach out to the marginalized. We see revitalization, we see it in church plants, every church that reaches out, friends, if you reach out, people come to Christ. It's that simple. Yeah, but, you know, not everybody. Friends, we're just, you're just one person away from a great move of God. I have a friend who planted a church. His church got to where it was running about 700. He said, if it comes down to three people, he reached. Those three reached everybody else. You're that close. God wants to use you to do amazing things. Allow him to do it. Finally, we look at the secularized of Europe. People who basically say, let me define secularism for you. It's people who say, "I, I don't need God. Don't need him. I've heard some people say, come to Jesus, he'll make you happy. People say, I'm already happy. I don't need that. And they turn their backs on him. And there's millions and millions of people in Europe like that. I think I can best illustrate this, and that's a good sign, isn't it? 
Some of you, that's just what the Bible, I tell you. Yeah, some of you know what I'm talking about. That's a good sign. I learned this lesson about reaching secular people years ago. Because you see, we're so quick to say, yes, Holy Spirit, be there with the refugee and the broken. Go to places like Calais, France, where we're working with an Assemblies of God church because on the edge of Calais, there's six to 7,000 people living out in the sand dunes and they have nothing. The government will not recognize them and we're trying to help there, trying to raise funds to help a group of people. And there's a Assemblies of God church of about 70 people who are saying we're doing all we can for these. And among that group, there's 800 children living there unattended. And we're trying to help. We're seeing how churches reach out. God does wonderful things. But this secular bunch, I mean, there's a, there's a saying about where secularists said this. I don't believe in God, but I miss him. I don't believe in God, but I miss him. There's something in secular people who say, I, I, there, there's something down inside of them. I, I, I they, they, it's, this, it's this nagging something in them that says, is there something more that I'm missing? Is there something more in this life? And yet, friends, let me help you. Religion will never break through that. Never. It's had its chance. It failed. Religion won't do it. Telemarketing won't do it. It failed them. Any other plan or anything, nothing will break through. And I learned this lesson years ago. A, uh, we do Alpha Course to help especially start new churches. We'll use Alpha Course. And if you don't know anything about Alpha, basically what it is, you get two or three people, they get together and they say, let's find all the non-Christians we can and let's invite them to a dinner and see if we can't get a group of people to commit to 10 or, or 14 weeks, whatever it is, to be a part of a Bible study to talk about God. And so First week, they, all, they come, and you let them talk. Well, who do you think God is? And they'll say God's a tree or a dolphin or whatever, and oh, there is no God. It's okay. We're just loving on them, get to know them a little bit, come on in. By week four, they hear about Jesus. We usually like to accept Christ. And if you watch the training videos, they always come to Jesus at week four. Now they're all Christians. And then about week 10, you have what's called the Holy Spirit weekend where they get filled with the Holy Spirit and their spiritual gifts and it's just beautiful and everyone's happy and it's all great. Well, I was asked to speak at a Holy Spirit weekend on the 10th meeting for a guy in The Hague. So I went to this guy's house in The Hague and I walked in the house and there were 12 20-somethings, a pastor that I knew and a deacon and these 12 20-somethings. All of them. Now remember, it's week 10, and in the middle of dinner, I started realizing they're not followers of Jesus yet. They're not there. So after dinner, I said to the pastor, hey, uh, what happened to week four? He said, yeah, yeah, nobody came to Christ. We did the thing, nobody came. He said, we think they keep coming back because it's free food. We're feeding them, so that's what we think. So I said, okay, okay. So I had this whole thing, hour and a half teaching prepared, all in Dutch, you know, here we go, we're gonna do the thing. And I sat down with them, and, and, and they all went out and smoked a cigarette. They, they came back in. We sat down, and I, and I sat in front of them. I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to teach, and then we're going to pray. And these people were totally secularist. I'm at the center of my world. I do what I want to do. Nobody's going to tell me what to do, and I, I'm in charge of my life. And so I started the teaching on the Holy Spirit. I got about 10 minutes into it when somebody raised their hand over here. 
And when they raised their hand, they asked a question, and the person on this side of the room answered. Well, the next thing I knew, they start arguing. Now, I was struggling, because they're arguing in Dutch, so it's a lot of ha, 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 and that kind of stuff going on at each other. And so I'm hearing that, well, then people like this start, well, eventually there's all kinds of arguments going on. The pastor is trying to referee the thing. The deacon's trying to, I'm trying to just understand what's going on. All these people are yelling at each other. And I'm like, this is terrible. This is the Holy Spirit. This is supposed to be the sacred moment. And it's, this is awful. So after about, in about the 35 minute mark, I said, okay, enough. I said, I'm done. Let's pray. And a girl said, can we smoke a cigarette first? I said, you bet you can. And they all went out and smoked a cigarette. I thought the pastor and the deacon were going to go too. <laughs> and, they, and they just were shaking their heads. This is awful. I said, guys, what happened to week four? He said, they don't want anything to do with God. We think they're just coming for free food and they get to argue with each other. They do it every week. So I was pretty much, we're done here. I mean, these are wealthy, educated people coming in. They sat in a semicircle on the floor and we put up a chair and we said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to sit in the chair and pray for you. And if you'd like to pray, you can. We talked about laying on of hands and you're speaking in tongues. We did, okay, okay, but let's just pray for you. Who wants to go first? Well, nobody, nobody. So the pastor said he'd go first. And so I, the deacon prayed, I prayed, and they sat there. Then the deacon went, the pastor prayed, and I prayed, and they sat there. Then I went, and while I was, while I was there, I don't know, maybe you, Letty, you would never do this. But I opened, my, I opened one eye because they wouldn't see, you know. Some reason I get in my head, if you only open one eye, nobody knows you're really looking. So I opened one eye to see what was going on while they're laying hands and praying for me. And I looked, and all 12 of them were looking back at me. Like, <laughs> like this is stupid. What are we doing? I mean, I felt so. And then, then what do you do? Do you really bad, close your eyes? What do you do? It's already. Uh, oh. And it was so awful. It was as if, I remember sensing that the Holy Spirit was getting his coat at the door. I'm gone. So I, I, I said, I, I got finished. They said, amen. I said, okay, who's next? And nobody wanted to go. So I, it was a semi-circle. I said, you, you want, why don't you come first? So this girl sat in the chair, and the deacon prayed for her. The pastor prayed, I prayed, amen. Next. Pastor prayed, deacon prayed, I prayed, next. And they were just rotating. It was awful. I mean, it was like the Holy Spirit was in the car. He's honking the horn. It's time to go. You ever been there? We're done. This is over. This is over. And about the fifth person, this girl, now she had a lot more hair than I did. You know how a girl put a ponytail on the back of her head? Well, she put a ponytail on top of her head. And in seminary, they never talked to us about how do you lay hands on somebody when they have a water fountain. So I was like, what do you do? Do you just touch the hair or do you press it down? What do you do? That was going on in my head while people are praying because it was so boring. You know, it was, Oh God, just bless them. Amen. Next. And it was just, it was terrible. It was the worst ministry experience I'd ever had. It was awful. Pastors praying, deacons praying. I, I put my hand on her shoulder cause I didn't know what to do with a fountain water fountain thing. Does it bounce? What do you do? And so I was really struggling when all of a sudden, pastor said, amen, it's my turn. And friends, can I tell you, he never leaves you. He's with you always. He's with you day in 
day after day after day, every second, every minute, every, he's always, always, always with you. And when he said amen, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And I said this. It's all I said. I see you standing in front of a big wall. That's all I said. And she threw her head back like that and started weeping and sobbing uncontrollably. I mean, she, I can't remember ever seeing anybody cry like that. She cried and cried and cried. You know why, friends? Because marketing can't reach that down there with these people. Religion can't do it. Theology can't do it. Only the power of the Holy Spirit can reach into these people. And he's got to be in our mission. He's got to be there. And when we find him and he moves at that moment, we've got to be ready. And when he moved, she cried and I cried. I mean, my Illinois farm boy heart just broke. I broke. I couldn't take it. Pastors crying, deacons crying. I looked down, they were all crying. One guy, he was sitting over here. He's doing this, like, what's wrong with me? He said, what's wrong with me? They couldn't understand why is this, what's all this all about? She stopped crying. I said this, you're standing in front of a big wall. You're pounding on it with your fist. Blood is running down your arm because you've been pounding a long time. And God wants you to know he's on the other side and you can stop pounding now because he's breaking down the wall and he's coming to you. She cried some more. I cried. The deacon cried. The pastor cried. The whole group, we all cried some more. And then it got quiet. And I heard the most beautiful Dutch prayer I've ever heard. God, it was only two sentences. God, I have no idea what to say. But would you come deep inside of my heart? And that young girl prayed that way. I cried again. Because, friends, only the Spirit can break it. They're like prisoners in a a prison. They're chained. But the Spirit and the power of God shatters it like that. And we all cried again. And when it was over, she went and sat down. The great thing, the number six person, over here, a girl raised her hand and said, Can I go next? People are hungry for the power of God in their life. And in this missions time, this missions convention time, God wants to move in your life because people are starving for the bread of life. They're dying of thirst because they need living water. And it's the church of Jesus Christ is the only one who offers that. The world doesn't offer what we have. And these people, the secularized people of your world, need to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to use you to do that. Whether that's in giving, because friends, if he's with you in going, he's with you in giving. And I'm done with this last word. If you look at the Great Commission, the verse before the Great Commission says this. When they saw, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Some doubted. Eugene Peterson says, says it this way. Some held back, not sure about worship, about risking themselves totally. Some held back. And you know what I love about that? Even to those who hold back, even to those who are struggling, 
even to those that have questions, even to those who have doubt. I know the economy's a mess. I know the state of Illinois is a mess. I know there's issues out there. But let me tell you, in spite of all of that, those who doubt and those who question, those who aren't sure, those who say, can I really give everything to it? Jesus says to you, I am with you always, even in your doubt, even in your questions, even in your uncertainty. He's still with us. And he wants to help us to be not just a mission. We want to be his missionary people. Taking the good news, not just around the world, but down the street as well. Amen? Down the street as well. And to be a lighthouse, but not just a lighthouse. To be something that goes out and rescues people. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, right now, I invite your Holy Spirit to have your way in this. We prayed that earlier, Lord. We ask you to have your way. I believe, God, it's your desire in this place to do something in people's hearts. God, I was a farm boy. I'm the last guy on the planet I would have ever thought I would have ended up living in cities like Amsterdam, Lord, and places, working in places like London. I had no idea, God. But Jesus, if you're in the going, you're in the giving, God, and you'll be in all of it. And so, Jesus, I invite you right now to speak and have your way. As we prayed earlier, have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.